0: hey guys it's james robert thanks for joining me for episode number 61 for the banking on digital growth podcast today we're going to go inside digital growth and continue the fireside chat conversation that was hosted by the financial brand joe well ceo of total expert and i started in episode number 59 however this time we are joined by sam kilmer who's the senior director at cornerstone advisors And Sam asked Joe and I some very good questions that I know will provide you with a tremendous amount of insight and clarity into some of the biggest digital growth opportunities available for you and your financial brand to capture, because we're going to discuss solutions to very common obstacles that we see, along with sharing best practices from industry leaders to help you build a foundation for future success. Enjoy the show.
1: listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Inside Digital Growth series, where James Robert shares answers to some of the biggest digital marketing and sales questions he gets from the digital growth community. Have a question you want to get answers to on a future episode? Visit www.goaskjr.com to submit your question today. Now let's go inside digital growth.
2: Let's mix this thing up. Let's have a little bit of fun. I'm just going to open this up. You know, we're never short of a good provocative opinion or worldview, even if you want to disagree with it, maybe even violently to make the conversation more fun. I'll just open it up with an opening salvo. That there's certain types of sales and marketing out there that just kind of hang on, and for dear life. And the way I would describe it is, you sometimes you've seen some of the books on it. You know, the Rainmaker selling mm-hmm. and and whatnot. I mean, we've seen stereotypes of it out in the industry. With for many of you that remember the the movie Glenn Gary Glenn Ross with the Always Be Closing, you know, coffees That's for closers. Classic. Yeah, you remember the coffees for closers? Anybody? Yeah, of course, yeah.
0: Smile and dial.
2: Smile and dial. Another one of a more recent vintage, Leonardo DiCaprio in in The Wolf of Wall Street said, let's see if I can get this right, sell me this pen. And it was all about the charismatic in-person or over the sweatshop phone call heavy of selling you something whether you needed it or not. And it just seems to me like, over the last several years, we've moved to an environment where not just millennials, but all of us have moved towards self-buying and learning for ourselves first. It seems like COVID has actually kind of sealed the deal on this for a lot of us. But I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on the, the state of that Traditional rainmaker relationship selling. I don't know, Joe, anything
3: you've seen? Yeah, I, I, number one, it's, we've just seen, seen everything accelerate in, in the direction we're talking about, which is that it's not just about, you can't, you can't just think about how do I, how do I close more business? How do I do more loans? How do I open more accounts? It's ultimately, how can I create value and a partnership? And build a relationship with my customer that, that not only do we find valuable as an organization because they're our customer, but ultimately that they find value in, right? And then it's. The way that you're able to communicate those products, services, the way you're able to educate the consumer, their expectation for being educated before they make any decisions is only increasing. And, and James Robert, I know you have a tremendous amount of uh, experience and uh, perspective on, on this topic as well.
0: Yeah. So what it boils down to is really two things, the empowered and the educated consumer. And all of that has been brought on by this rise in digital, by the rise in the Internet. If you have a question, where's the very first place you go, you go to Google, you ask Google, and then Google will help provide you that answer, that response, that guidance. And that's really the opportunity that we see for financial brands. I'll never forget, it was only just a couple of years ago, the CEO of a financial brand told me one of their goals was to push product down people's throat. And so the opportunity was to help the unaware become aware of what the opportunities are to help first and really sell second and be that helpful guide on these consumers' journeys. Because even with COVID, I think what we're seeing is there's a little, still a lot of confusion. There's a lot of chaos, and people are looking for two things. They're looking for help, and they're looking for hope, and hope often has to come before help.
3: Yeah, no, That's no question. Point. No question. I mean, we saw many of the organizations that that we've all been fortunate to, to work with and in some of some of which i haven't been able to been fortunate to work with but i've admired how they have through this environment this last six months they really ultimately became financial first responders for the communities that they serve and to see that start happening to see organizations actually moving with the intention of helping that was really cool from from our seat. Right. And, and you've seen the industry as a whole and in, in some of the changes that have happened with with digital over the last few years. You just you've seen this new perspective this year from, hey, I need to help these customers in in a very different environment than we've ever seen. So it's, it's just really changed, changed the dynamics a lot.
0: And one of the best ways to do that is with an acronym that we use. It's, it's just, it's going all in. And it's three things. It's first and foremost, it's just asking what's, what's, what's keeping you up at night? What's bothering you? Listening number two to those responses and then learning and then using that as a way to craft solutions and really cures to those people's pain points and by just having that open ear that empathetic ear uh, it it allows others to guide that conversation for you so you're not having to wonder well what should we do next how do we help people people will tell you how they want to be helped
2: yeah you know James Robert as you mentioned that it occurred to me you know we're at Cornerstone, we're in and out of you know several hundred financial institutions a year. I mean, obviously, some are way more exceptional than others at any number of things. Marketing has always been, I think, we could all agree, one of the weaker points hmm. in banking, not because of any anything sinister or anybody that's done anything wrong. It's just it's not been the focus area. It wasn't on the agenda of strategic planning for many many years. Just like technology wasn't for many many years, but it sure is now. Yes, and I, as I think about that. I'd love to get your take on this. It just, it strikes me that there's an internal, like what you were just saying makes perfect sense and what Joe just said makes perfect sense, but somewhere between us all knowing that and then when they translate that into their marketing content and their delivery, it just comes across oftentimes as kind of every everybody's saying the same corporate squawk. You know, no, it doesn't, it doesn't, that that thing that we know that we should help people instinctively, it gets converted into you know, we've got the best rate, check it out. And it just, it doesn't translate for some and reason. Em-
3: empathy is lost in the translation,
2: right? Yeah. And it just, it also seems, and I know, Joe, this is something that you and I have talked about before too, is, is that when you get sort of inside the financial institution, you know, when you say marketing, it immediately sort of conjures a department, a bureaucracy, an organization. It doesn't conjure a discipline, or a, a center of excellence or a way of doing things. And it seems like we've kind of had some organizational funk that James Robert is folks like you and I have been kind of getting into these shops. And we start asking about marketing. We're not asking about a department. We're asking about, you know, how you go about doing certain things to help people? I just, I don't know if either one of you guys have a, a, a thought on that, but I know that you had a nice view on this that kind of showed the the challenge James Robert of You've kind of got three different areas that might be organized differently in a bank. Might be 13, not even three, you know, but you still have this need there in the middle of the expertise and how you translate that into help.
0: Yes. Yes. You know, we've, we've moved beyond a product economy one that has been commoditized. And and when we see historically, we talk and we think about marketing, maybe why marketing hasn't been viewed as a strategic part of a financial brand. It's because marketing up to this point has been a, a cost or an expen- expense center, whether that be TV, direct mail, radio, print, billboards. It's very hard to quantify that. And so all you would get is one message to many people. And it was the same commoditized corporate speak. But now as we move beyond a product Economy. We're moving through an experience economy, one that is built around systems and processes. But to me, I'm looking towards the future. And the next level up is going to be what I'm calling the knowledge economy or the expertise economy, where the knowledge that we retain and then not only retain that, share that and communicate it out into the marketplace, but also to our current account holders, to our current stakeholders. It's our expertise, which will become our competitive advantage, whether that be through marketing marketing whether that be through the sales line or the service line expertise is essential. And one of the big questions then is ultimately
3: and this is such an awesome slide and I, and I think it's so on point but is how do you enable the delivery of this expertise and ultimately how do you orchestrate the different functional areas of the business. How do you orchestrate the marketing and the messaging to align with the sales and the the service organization, the human beings that are taking care of the customers, right? The consumer is maybe they're reading something that's helpful, that's educational. Maybe it's about small business banking. Maybe it's about wealth planning, whatever it might be that they might be reading. Then how do you arm and enable the rest of the organization so that when that consumer comes in the door and asks a question? And they're ultimately have a, a very on point message that's consistent, right? So it's ultimately the the big question that we see organizations and you guys obviously have a front row seat to this is how do you appropriately orchestrate these things to to work together? And how then do you enable the delivery of that expertise and being able to differentiate on expertise and high quality advice? As a financial institution, I mean, it it is so critical to the future. And I know you guys agree with me on that.
2: Yeah, you you know, I think the other thing that we forget so, obviously, I think the three of us are all in a violent agreement here that there's so much upside potential of getting this right. I think the thing that we oftentimes forget is, you know, we've tended to think in banking that, you know, a bad credit portfolio will kill a bank. True. We've tended to think that a bad acquisition can kill a bank. Also true. But also, if we don't get this digital growth stuff right, it's maybe the third rail that takes us off the rails as a bank. And I, I think we, we're, not giving it, we're not giving it what it needs to know. I think the, the main thing I tend to look at is just during COVID, my colleague, our research director, Ron Shevlin, just recently concluded a study on this where he asked hundreds and hundreds of consumers a representative sample nationwide, where they've most recently opened up their primary financial account relationship, and if you kind of take a look at the results here, that green bar there on the far right of each one of these categories is in the last few months during the, the COVID and sort of the, the digital transformation that none of us really asked for immediately, but we all got it thrown in our lap, didn't
3: we? The great acceleration, right? I mean, it's the great, accelerated. Yeah,
2: no, no doubt. If you look at this, what's happened is, is that mega banks and digital banks like Chime and Vero and Ally have picked up more than their fair share of new business, and it has directly been at the expense of predominantly community banks, and also to a lesser degree, but still impacted would be credit unions. And you have to ask yourself the question because what we see is there the, the the mega banks. There's one thing this this scale of marketing and technology and digital and call center and these things. The mega this is one thing the mega banks and many of the digital banks they've gotten this right. This is a real threat, don't you think so guys?
0: Absolutely. You know, when we look at this when we look at this idea of scale, that is exactly what digital growth provides. It provides a multiplying effect where 2 becomes 4, 4 becomes 8, 8 becomes 16, so forth and so on. And so, at first for if I'm a community banker or a leader of a credit union or just a legacy financial brand for that matter, an incumbent, I've looked at digital up to this point as an expense because it requires some investment, whether that be on the technology side, the capability, the content, the talent. And so at first digital will have a, a hidden dip, but very quickly we're gonna come out of that dip on the other side and digital becomes the accelerant to, to use Joe's words. It'll become it's a the force multiplier. Exactly. Exactly. Well That's Joe, good. you've
2: worked with some, I mean, you work both with community financial institutions and credit unions, but you've also worked with some really big like big lenders that are yeah, really we've, out we've, there we've worked um,
3: with you know two of the top 5 banks and then all the way down to right much smaller community financial institutions so we've we've definitely had a, had exposure to the whole to the whole
0: gamut for sure I want to speak to that point because I think this is very important. I just did some advisory work for a top 15 European bank. And some of the questions that I was getting through this engagement were the exact same questions that I get from, say, a local community bank or credit union here stateside. Where I see the opportunity is, you know, a lot of times credit unions and community banks will think to themselves, oh, well, we're just too small for this. Or we just don't have the size. It's actually that smaller size that is really a, a capability because Speed. you're able to, it is. You're able to pivot and turn that ship much faster than the large giant aircraft carrier. And if I think about the dinosaurs, right? You think about the environmental changes that took out the dinosaurs. COVID's just an environmental change. That environmental change we're seeing with digital, it wasn't the large dinosaurs that survived these environmental changes. The dinosaurs died. It was the smaller, more adaptable, yeah. nimble creatures that that not only survived, they thrived following the dinosaur's demise. Yeah, it's, if you're small and
3: nimble right now, you're, you're asking the, the smartest organization, those most well-run organizations are asking these questions. How do we use this to our advantage? How do, how do we position ourselves as that guide, as that financial partner? To the consumer in these local markets, how do we how do we put our arms around them digitally speaking, right? How do we take care of them and, and just be there for them and make them feel like we understand? their needs, what they're going through. I think a big part of what the financial institutions that have done exceptionally well is they've had a level of empathy and understanding what's helpful for their consumers. The digital banking acceleration and the account openings, I, I really think that that's simply a function of that trend. Arguably, yes, it's accelerated, but that's already been accelerating in terms of account openings online. You guys agree with that, right? I mean, we've seen this this trend for a while. That's not surprising
2: yeah no it's not surprising and i would just add that i mean i think when you really peel this back and in looking at the session name here we're talking about digital growth and i can see that there's probably somebody out there in bank land that's saying but sam our digital banking is strong we're on you know rev three of our digital banking offering you know we have decent you know account opening that's getting better and i just I, one of the things that i always kind of push the pause button on that is to say those are the, probably the two best areas in terms of the state of the state right now when we go in and peel the onion back at Cornerstone on a typical bank or credit union right now. You know, I've got this loosely laid out here on this slide by I've, I've adopted the, the federal government's homeland security color coding methodology here. I hope that's, <laughs> hope that's not too big government for you entrepreneurs out there. But <laughs> But I just, the point to make here is that we would say that you're right. Your digital banking systems out there you put a lot of attention in those and if you look at your account opening systems i suspect many of you are pretty critical of them right now and probably rightfully so but believe it or not that's actually not too bad either i mean it's a little bit of a yellow but it's it's caution but it's not too bad it's the other areas a couple of the areas that we've been talking about thus far that are really the oranges and red you know kind of flashing red beacons that we're finding out there which is just are you giving people what they need to help them in a way that allows them to buy for themselves? And it's this, you know, this self-guided help. And uh, you mentioned James Robert, when somebody goes to Google and sort of the knowledge search and kind of really putting this together in automation with your MarTech and make, putting all that content out there. And I don't know if either one of you guys have it. When you see this picture, what do you see? What, What do you see here? Does anything jump out at you?
3: I think Home the first security <laughs> colors jump out for sure, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, thank you. We appreciate that. Slideware over at consultants. You know, great.
0: Well, I was actually going to take a different approach. I actually see this is almost like the report that you get whenever you take your car into the mechanic. It is, and yeah. the me- the mechanical look at this, but 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 I actually see this and mapped out to almost the what I call the digital consumer buying journey and we've done a great job to your point Sam of the service side of the business. So once someone opens an account, we can conduct and interact with them digitally through mobile apps, etc. But as we move up into the to the buying funnel, that's that area of awareness and really the consideration stage of the buying journey, that's where we're seeing the greatest gaps that can be bridged going forward. And so that is the greatest opportunity. And to the point of, of this idea of going to Google, I think there's, you know, we we can look at financial services and the complexities of, of a checking account or or really even more so on, on the mortgage side or the, the lending side, the complexities of getting that loan. It's almost like healthcare, right? You can go and you can Google your symptoms and Google is going to give you a lot of information, but that expertise, from the doctor, from the physician, to to overlay the context of a person's unique situation, that's almost what we're seeing with financial services from that perspective of of expertise. Because you can get some general broad knowledge, but to apply that through the financial brand, that's powerful. Yeah. I mean, the the things that I I think it is exceptionally powerful. And
3: if you look at the the first couple of layers here, digital banking, uh, digital account opening, there's no question there's various phases of, should we say, optimization and refinement that is maybe going to happen in those things. But arguably a lot of that's becoming table stakes very quickly. It, from our perspective, what's not becoming table stakes where we see a huge open field opportunity then is as those people are, are coming into the organization, how do you, number one, engage, interact with them in a way that's going to create tremendous loyalty and advocacy from those customers? How do you provide them value and advice Using the data and analytics, so the center of this, I look at that really, this is a great slide. The center of this is how do you use the data and analytics and then action on that and enable the humans that are actually advising and taking care of your customers, right? I think it's so awesome to think that we're in a place as an industry where the data, the technology, all of the things exist to actually have a more positive impact and a better outcome for a consumer, right? And if you think about, you know, a lot of our roots are in the lending side, so how many people have gotten the wrong type of loan, right? Well, today you have the the opportunity to really distill down and help meet people make better financial decisions. If you're an organization and I'm looking at a path forward and how do we grow, man, if you can get to a place where you're really helping people make better financial decisions, there, there's a lot of opportunity there from RC.
0: Absolutely. And one of the things that you said, and I wanted to build upon that thought, was this idea of the data and analytics. That gives the financial brand an ability to, as the title here says, to target, to target people from a proactive stance, leaning into other people's pain points. Because historically speaking, as we as financial brands, we've waited for someone to raise their hand. But now with all of the data, we can take a proactive stance do outreach to meet the person where they're at on their own individual
3: financial journey. On that lifetime, on that lifetime journey, right? What milestones yes. through data now, and in many of the organizations that we see, and Sam, you guys have a, obviously an even deeper perspective. But the amount of data and things that your your consumers and and hopefully you're you're managing the compliance correctly, and you've got all your opt ins and whatnot. But assuming all of that's there, the amount of data that you have on on your customer can inform how you should be engaging with them, and most likely. What is the next big financial milestone that they're going to have at this stage of life? And then you should be delivering things that are going to help inform that next financial decision, right? So you're building that trust that James Robert always talks about. If you're delivering things that are more relevant and more helpful, you're going to create a much more trusted relationship. And give you the opportunity as an organization to then help make recommendations on products and services that will be the right ones for them at that point.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a good point, Joe. And I, and I, and I always a little bit hesitate here when I put up the reds and the oranges, cause I'm always fearful that, you know, you'll have a, a financial institution. We're always being very mindful of, you know, of course, you don't just go into a bank and say, well, yeah, your content and your call center sucks. It's like, well, no, no, You know, like, of course they are. That's why we're hiring you. Don't tell us, you know, tell us something that we can do about it. I just point to these things because they're obviously challenges, but I think the more important thing is what can you do about it? How can you prioritize those things? And so we've kind of laid out a few things that you can sort of think, you know, getting back to James Roberts, you know, whole point of, you know, help first is what are, what's kind of like the three point plan that you can get to here and a few thoughts. And I'd like, I'd really like to get you guys, you know, going on this and maybe have, Joe, have you maybe dig in on the messaging part of this, but we think that there's three things to be thinking about. You know, first of all, how to optimize your messaging and what are some specific things you can do. You can see that we have those lined out there. You know, do you use a consultant? Well, sure. You know, consultants like me like it when you use consultants, but you can do some of this stuff yourself too. You know, do you, you know, then you build out the ecosystem, know what's out there, you know, be be aware of the, of your options in terms of MarTech and, content systems, and then, of course, empower the talent. There, this isn't just a plug-it, you know, what is it? We always say, this is not set it and forget it, Ron Popeil. This is going to take some effort by some by some heavy lifters and probably some talent that your bank may have thought of, not thought about paying that much over the years in sort of doing this. But, Joe, I know you put so much work in this first piece of helping people craft messages and calls to action and you know, getting that into their assets that they can then put into place, whether they're federated throughout the bank or whether they have a central marketing, however that works. What are your thoughts yeah. on that?
3: Yeah, so I, number one, I think, first of all, these steps are are all critical. And none of this is a one-time, let's do this project and then we're finished, right? These are very iterative things that for, you know, for all practical purposes, you're, you're on a journey of constant improvement and optimization of these core capabilities and systems. And you have to understand, I always think you guys say this a lot, and which is the reason we're huge fans of the work both you guys do is you meet organizations where they're at, right, wherever they're that is. Okay. And so if you're step one is in many cases, looking at Looking at your customer journey that you have for your different personas and then understanding what is the communication that is going out. and, And that means messaging in many cases that might be emails, it might be social posts, it might be direct mail. But how are you communicating with that customer? Look, all relationships, the quality of every relationship in anything boils down to the quality of the communication and if you don't have that nailed then it's really hard to to get to the to the next thing right so i think as step one that's that's a critically important component and the first thing that we would advise, whether somebody's working with us or not, if they just, I mean, we have a lot of conversations where, hey, if we can be helpful and give some free advice, we'd love doing that, right? So that would always be a logical first step is kind of audit your customer journey, look at how you're communicating with your existing customers, and then identify sort of the quick wins from that list of that review that you just did. And then I think in terms of how can we create progress in 60 90 days right so that's kind of that step one addresses that and then of course building the ecosystem i mean we've we've invested tens of millions of dollars and continue to invest tens of millions of dollars in building an open platform because the word ecosystem is so important. Whatever technology that you have has to be compatible and flexible and API first so that you can integrate data sources and tools because there may be new marketing technology and, and some solution that will solve one specific problem really well. Is your organization have a foundation that can spin that up quickly and get it deployed? That's having you know, getting that ecosystem right. So that's critical. And then, of course, empowering your your talent. This is this is and James Robert. I love your feedback on this. But ultimately, I think this is one where we see organizations struggle here a little bit. In some ways, it, it's because they want to try to create, take the roles, the people that they have today and force them into these new roles that they really need. In some cases, it works. But in some cases, you've got to hire a different skill set, which is uncomfortable for a lot of particularly the smaller organizations.
0: I've been thinking a lot about this, writing a lot about this, speaking a lot about this over the last six to eight months. And what this boils down to is. At the heart of it is transformation. You know, we, we are looking at developing and gaining new capabilities, creating some new capacities on the talent side. And when we try to move someone from the past into the future, if they don't have clarity of what that future even looks like, it's very easy to want to stay in what I call the cave of complacency, where it's safe, it's comfortable. But my yeah. call to action for financial brand marketing, sales and leadership teams is to come out of the cave of complacence, complacency, come out with courage, come out with confidence. But a lot of this is going to begin by gaining insight into what the opportunities are so when i when i look at this idea of transformation training training is really at the heart of transformation and it's not like like this whole system that you've laid out here it's not a one-and-done event training will continuously happen as the digital space evolves at an exponential pace within the years to come
2: yeah Yeah, i like the the i like the comfort cave analogy i mean you know Hashtag come out of the cave. I think the other thing is maybe hashtag drive people out of the cave. It's no longer comfortable. I I think the one thing that I think is really discomforting to senior bank executives is they're used to thinking about lenders and branch managers as revenue producers. But when they think about somebody who's a data scientist or a digital content person, they still think about a cost line. It's an expense. It's
3: uh, it's on the P&L. They look at it as an expense, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, this this is fine. This is a financial accounting industry. We look at the P&L, but this this is something we have to break through with a management accounting mindset that says the P&L is not going to serve us here. We have to look at this a new way.
0: I want to address that. I like I like driving them out of the cave with a stick. Yeah, you know, they, we might not even have to drive them out of the a cave. We can just ask them to look around at all the the skeletons and the corpse that are, are in the cave from those that failed to have the courage to transform their mindset. And I think mindset is so critical with this because when we traditionally think about marketing and sales, and to your point, when you think about sales, it's the branch manager, it's the lender. It's not just sales doing this alone, and it's not just marketing from the old world sense of promotion and placing ads and billboards it's marketing and sales aligning around a new perspective something that we call the growth team and so it's it's unification because marketing has typically been been driven by a certain perspective sales has been driven by a certain perspective but when you can unify both around a common purpose that's a transformational experience
2: no, no question Yeah, I think I've heard you talk a little bit about this in terms of the human element of this and trying to to tie it all together. And I wonder if you could kind of take us through, and then Joe would like to get your take on this too, is I know James Robert, you've kind of got this whole, you know, kind of laid out into a framework that you've written about as an author. Could you kind of take us through this a little bit?
0: Absolutely. I think a lot of times in this digital world, we all talk about this idea of technology. Technology is just a tool that connects and brings people together. But what what we're really focused on is two sides of this equation. We have the digital experience and the digital experience, once again, is about systems and processes. And we can break the digital experience up into three subset experiences. You have the lead experience, you have the customer experience, which is really big in the the conversational space today and then you have another untapped opportunity which is the referral experience or activating what we would traditionally call our net promoters to go out and refer their friends and family you know put turn that insight into action on the other side though we have the human experience and this is what i mentioned before the human experience is really two things it's help and it's hope and that's multiplied through empathy. And when you can bring both sides of those equations typically delivered through the digital channels, that's the exponential multiplier that we're looking for for financial brands.
3: Yeah, we, we discussed a topic called really op- operationalizing empathy. How do you get empathy into the organization? And it's really the, you know, the huge advantage that so many of the organizations that, that we all work with have is they have really incredible people. Right. And so if you think about digital transformation, historically, a lot of the people in these organizations, they get. They get sort of nervous about becoming obsolete Well, you're bringing in automation to, you know, get rid of, you know, get rid of things. Certainly there are efficiencies that can be had by technology, but really where the magic is, the exponential f- things, the exponential for the force multiplier things are when you can enhance the ability for the the people in your organization to connect and serve more intelligently with more empathy. If you can empower that through technology and drive it. That's really an exciting thing to witness happen in, in the transformations of some of these best run organizations that we see are that are doing that. It's it's just very rewarding for them as an organization. And and when people have you know the ability to connect and serve customers better and bring, you're bringing out the best in them and you're creating a better outcome for the consumer, it's a win win all the way around.
0: I like what you said about operationalizing empathy and really you know i think that complements what what i think a lot about which is operationalizing expertise and both empathy mm-hmm. and expertise can be delivered through experiences and i think it's important to know what is an experience an experience experiences is just a bunch of systems and processes that have been number 1 well defined and thought out number 2 applied and here's the secret Number three, these experiences must be optimized over a period of time because they will result in one of two things. Either A, a positive emotion, or B, a negative emotion. And a lot of this comes back to what Sam was mentioning before. This is about making deposits into a consumer's, what I call a consumer's trust fund that sits between their brains and it can take months, years to deposit enough trust to where they take action to make that commitment or, with your or financial brand. Or a
3: split second to destroy it, right? If you, a, if you yeah. send them a message that's out of context, you send them an email that looks like you don't know who the hell they are, or you give them an offer that's, that's not in alignment with where they're at in the financial journey, you can just destroy any of that trust that you've built up.
0: And I was seeing a lot of that coming out of COVID with a lot of email communication ramping up. Email, I think, is still the workhorse of what we call the digital growth engine because that is where you know we have all these different channels, but everything typically comes back to email. I'm 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 looking at emails about to experience its its second iteration within the next couple of years, the, almost a, another golden age because we're we can get much smarter with email communication through data, through analytics, through insights, yeah, and really through content. Through-
3: absolutely through through watching what's happening with your messaging if you if you have systems and you have a, an ecosystem in a in a, sta- a tech stack in place that can give you the view of what's actually happening in our in how are your customers opening your content are they engaging with it? what's happening next and i want to back up just one moment because you said something that was really powerful and and in terms of you know the expertise and the empathy and the expertise component and i think about the fact that Consumers don't really care about your expertise unless you have shown them some empathy, unless they know you understand them and care them, care about them. And so Mm. you have to do you have to have both. Right. You have to have the ability if you have to have context about where your customer is so that you can appropriately demonstrate empathy Mm. before they're going to listen your expertise and we see a lot of organizations get that context piece wrong which allows them to or or prevents them i should say from not displaying empathy and then it doesn't matter how great the advice is if you burn that they're not going to give you that second chance
2: yeah if i take a step back and i I come back from the consumer i come back inside the bank joe i know something you and i've talked a lot about is the differences with in banks where they have you know they don't have a chief sales officer typically some of them move to a chief banking officer but more often than not revenue leadership is federated throughout the bank and it's occurred to me you know so much of our marketing in community banks and credit unions has been if we can be candid it's been very deposit oriented sure Not, not nothing wrong with that but it's been very deposit of course in covid most banks are are sitting around credit unions are flush with deposits right now but they but interestingly that the, you know, the chief sales officer of most bank, banks and credit unions, probably the chief lending officer would be the closest one to that. So you kind of have a little bit of a disconnect with you have these kind of strong entrepreneurial, hard charging mortgage and commercial leaders over here that just are looking for deals. And then you've got marketing expertise over here on the other side, that's largely been around, you know, basically getting checking accounts. And it's, it's interesting, it, it, it's almost like there needs to be a We are the world moment where everybody gets together and shares at the conference room table if we're allowed to do that again. And just kind of be honest about what we don't know about one another's competencies.
3: I think that's great perspective. And and you you ultimately... You, you definitely see that, that clearly different worlds and almost it's like different universe in some cases to where you've got the marketing organization and the, the sales and lending organizations, the people taking care of the consumers and, and marketing is treated as sales support or for a lot of the lending organizations. And I agree from an institution standpoint, it's in many cases geared towards deposits and things like that. And, what it hasn't been geared towards is how do we how do we enable the whole customer lifecycle to be optimized? Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's the orchestration of the communication, messaging and things that come out of marketing along with the people that really deliver the, those special experiences. And if you think about why does everybody why the you know, why does every organization, if you talk to all the executives out there, why is it? that customer experience is still at the the number one top of their their priority list and ultimately it's because the experience is what is going to drive loyalty or lack of loyalty right and it's that loyalty that ability to have a long term relationship with that consumer is where all of the profiting growth comes from long term right so it's you know, you have to look at things differently today certainly than than what people in the industry did 20 years
0: ago I so said, you bring up a really good point. You know, where, where, where traditionally marketing has been a, a support role for sales, marketing in this digital space is really, it's a demand generator. They can create the demand for the sales team. And if we can define those roles more practically speaking, what is marketing? Two things. It's controlling the brand or the experience and it's to generate leads. Then sales. Can pick up those leads, nurture those leads, and then convert those leads over a period of time. And you have to have both sides of the equation. Once again, the digital experience and the human experience working together. And and I think that's that's why we're 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 so big on this idea of of being in aligning around a purpose, really beyond promoting just products or or and and putting the the the, the transformation of people over transactions because. People are confused about money. People are confused about their financial situation. And they're looking for someone to guide them beyond that to a bigger, better, brighter future. Yeah, I'll just point out one
3: key gap that, that we see a lot of times, guys. And and, and as we we all look at in, in the way we work with these some of these brands is I ultimately you want to try to identify gaps where they can have some, some quick wins and make big progress, right? So one of the key things, and James, Robert, I think traditionally this comes from marketing does generate leads. You send out an email blast, a, a batch and blast maybe which is sort of the traditional methodology for marketing a lot of organizations they fire an email campaign out some somebody raises their hand it gets kicked over to somebody who then's going to engage with that consumer but where we see the the ball dropped is then what happens to that consumer or that lead or that opportunity if they don't transact or decide to move forward right away if they
0: don't respond right away many Abs- times yes. that's where
3: it falls that's where it falls <laughs> apart
0: right I want to speak very practically to this because this is one of the biggest pain points that we see as well through some of the studies that we conduct. You know, when, when, when you compare community financial brand, whether that be a, a community bank or a credit union and you're looking in your secret shopping, say the mortgage experience or even the checking experience and someone starts the application and they fall off or they abandon it, or someone raises their hand and they have a question and it takes sometimes three to five days for sales to then follow up with that person, but then you compare that to say a fintech who's following up within the first 24 hours, and it just doesn't stop there. Then it will continue on for sometimes three to six months through an automated workflow. Coming back to your point earlier, providing the right content with the right context based upon their own unique buying situation. Yeah, you have. It's to almost be- like
2: it's almost like on the wheel here that you you put together here, James Robert of. In purchase and onboard, there should be like a little there should be like a little off ramp here that says this is where it goes off the rails in so many institutions. Somewhere between purchase and onboard, but before advocacy could mm. ever actually take hold, you 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 kind of really lose the mojo of yes. what you were trying to do.
3: Sorry, Joe, I wasn't trying to interrupt you there. No, I was th- same, same topic and theme that I was going to talk about is ultimately uh, there's, there's places along the way that there are clear gaps where the ball is dropped. And, and there's, there's the, the good news is for many organizations, there's, there's some pretty simple things that they can put in place from a process and, and a technology standpoint to incrementally improve in, in that area pretty quickly. Cause a lot of organizations have a very distinct, sort of transition when somebody inquires on something, if they're not, if they don't move through the funnel and become a customer right right away, many times they get they get forgotten about. And, and the vast majority, and depending on the business line, but the vast majority of those consumers will end up transacting with a different institution.
0: Yeah. One of the best examples that I've heard comes from four seasons around this point, automate the predictable, humanize the exceptional. And I, I hear, branch managers lamenting the fact of, you know what, I got all of these leads in my pipe. I just don't have time to follow up with them. That's where automation can come in, help to rank and prioritize who is what and where in that buying journey so that now I, as a human being, I can reach out to those who are really at the right time to get that human context, that human touch point.
2: Really interesting. Yeah, well said. Yeah. And I know James Robert, you've put a lot, of, I mean, We've got a lot of models here to kind of think through that help kind of tell the story or the journey of of progress and and I wonder if you could take us through this this strategy circle here that I that I know that you've put a lot of work into.
0: Yeah, so it's how do we make the intangible tangible? And that's where the models how do we simplify the complexity of all of this? That's where the models come in and and banker is an acronym to where we're looking at at six distinct areas of operational efficiency, to communicate empathy, to share expertise. And the very first step in all of this is to build an audience with data. And the the whole goal of this is to drive traffic to what must become the most profitable source of growth, source of revenue, which is a website that sells. Not just a glorified online brochure, but a website that sells and it is focused on lead gen and lead acquisition. So what do we do next? Now that we're driving traffic, marketing can then attract MQLs or marketing qualified lead with personalized offers based upon someone's either A, digital exhaust or digital behavior, or B, their transactional behavior in the transactional data. The third point, as we attract these marketing qualified leads Every lead is going to be at a different stage. And this is where we can begin to nurture those leads with automation and context and content come into play because we have to make those micro deposits in the consumer's trust bank to increase that trust over time. Because from that point, now sales can begin to convert those leads for loans and deposits. And then to the point of what we were talking about before, the journey is really only beginning because we spend so much time, effort and energy as financial brands to go and, and drag these leads in and convert these leads. But then we have to give them a positive onboarding, onboarding experience to expand those relationships. And the way that we do that is by delighting accounts. We have to make them continue to feel good, to affirm, to reinforce their decision to do business with us because then and only then. Do we have permission to ask them to refer their friends to rate us on Google or to review us that experience and then that referral repeats the entire cycle all over again. It so marketing attracts. Wheel. Yep, marketing attracts, sales engages and service delights. What do you see here, Joe? What what jumps out at you?
3: You know, ultimately, I mean, this is this is such a great slide. I'm I'm looking at it here on my laptop with a little more little more uh, detail. But uh, you know, I think it's just so well done in the way it's it, it it lays it out. And I think the part about the the magic that can happen in step five and six, where you're expanding relationships by delighting accounts, and then repeat with ratings, reviews, and referrals. Those two steps can drive so much growth and value for an organization, yet so many don't ever have the opportunity to get to that point because they they drop the ball somewhere, right? And And through that initial parts of the journey, maybe they do a certain step wrong, but the way they're sort of connecting everything together in orchestrating things, there's a gap somewhere a lot of times that prevents them from getting to that point. And, and sometimes it's it's just really driving the workflow to to kind of create that next action, to have that that sort of human touch inserted somewhere. Right. Like maybe it's a hey, a text message saying, hey, thanks for you know thanks for checking in with us and inquiring about whichever product. People are still going into branches. Obviously, somebody stops by having a message go out that feels very personalized. Those are the types of things that can really in in an instant elevate the experience a consumer has to to a place of, wow, that was that was personal. They actually cared about me as a human versus just I want to open another account. I want to do another loan and rifle you through the, you know, the assembly line, so to speak.
0: Yeah the, the the whole goal of the banker strategy circle is to provide a framework for what I call digital consumer journey mapping because when we look at historically speaking journey mapping it's typically just w- focusing on one of these elements but it's all of these elements working together as a whole the sum is 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 greater than its parts and and I think Joe, when when you're unpacking those insights, there's three things to consider when it comes to digital consumer journey mapping. Three key questions, because because journey mapping is an exercise in empathy. And, and the first question to just ask and consider is from the lens of the of the consumer. Where do you want me to go? Number one. Number two, how will you help me get there? And then number three, how will that make me feel? And if we can keep those three questions at the top of our mind when mapping out these experiences and empathy, these experiences and expertise, we will continue down towards a path of digital growth.
2: Well, nothing else. If you're a banker out there and you think that credit is science and operations of a bank is science, but sales and marketing is somehow another a guru thing or a Svengali thing, what you're looking at here is the engineering of the mashup of sales and marketing into a process and every single one of these things is measurable just like loan loss just like any other aspect of the banking process and so I would encourage bankers to peel this apart and look for things that you can measure here you know what is your speed to authenticate a new account all the way down to a, an active debit card you know how many leads are you converting into into applications most bankers know how many applications convert into closed loans because they have to know that for compliance reasons. But usually if you ask about how many leads they get that don't get qualified, it's homina, 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 homina. It's a, it's a black hole. And I, so awesome. I would encourage people. Or or a
3: field of opportunity, however you look how at it. How about that? Right? Yeah. Let's be, yeah, let's close on a positive
2: note. And, and I, yeah. and I, guys, this has been, this has really been a lot of fun.
0: Yes, this was such a fun conversation. And I really appreciated the good questions Sam asked Joe and I. So do you have a question, a digital marketing, a digital sales question that you'd like answers to on a future podcast episode? Now is the time to get out your phone, text me that question to 415-579-3004. That's 415-579-3004. Text me your digital marketing, your digital sales question, and remember The only bad question is the question that goes unasked. Until next time, and as always, be well, do good, and wash your hands.